Reference to or information about any specific product or service by name, trade name, trademark, or service mark in this podcast does not constitute an endorsement of that product or service. And now on to the episode. Welcome back to Better Money with Elements Financial. I'm your host, Miranda Finley. I'm a certified financial wellness professional who's worked with thousands of people in all walks of life, and I'm also a real person with real financial experiences. I'll chat from both personal and professional viewpoints to help make your money better. In celebration of International Women's Day and Women's History Month, today we're focusing on the ladies. Here's a few stats to support this crucial conversation. So CNBC says that women now control some $10 trillion of U.S. financial assets. And by the end of the decade, the figure is going to rise to $30 trillion. And according to Elevest, by the end of the year 2028, women will own 75% of discretionary spending. These shifts we're seeing are huge, especially considering that within my mom's lifetime, there was a time when women couldn't open their own bank accounts or qualify for their own credit cards. That said, with all of this projected growth, according to the World Economic Forum, women are still only earning 82 cents for every dollar that men made in 2022, regardless of the job industry type or even years of experience. And Bank of America ran a survey that determined that less than half of women, 48%, are confident about their finances, but only 28% feel empowered to act regarding their money. Today, I wanted to bring on a guest who has made it her mission to build confidence and empower women to be unapologetically successful. Andrea Libras is an author, certified business and life coach, and host of the Time to Level Up podcast. She's known for helping high-achieving women entrepreneurs make a shift from overwhelm to freedom so they stop thinking small and start thinking big. Through her work, she guides bold, ambitious women to create their own secret sauce for success by combining two ingredients the right mindset, and solid systems. Thank you so much for being here, Andrea. Thanks for having me, Miranda. Yeah, I'm thrilled to have you on. Um, I appreciate everything that you do. Um, I think the confidence and empowering women are two things that these statistics show us are just a space that needs to be filled and that women need to be filling it. So you have your own coaching business. So I was hoping that you would tell us some consistent trends that you see women face when it comes to women and money in particular? Yeah. So I, um, I coach women on all aspects of their business and life. And ironically, money is a topic that they know they need to know more on, actually want to know more on, but don't speak up enough about it or ask for help. So it's kind of this hidden um, topic, so to speak, that's, that's not hidden at all. And I think... Um, some of the trends that I see in this are, you know, number one, women are still asking for permission when it comes to using their own funds or the funds of the family. And they, they're seeking out someone to say, yes, this is a good financial decision or no, you shouldn't do that. And they're not really relying on their own knowledge or thinking to make financial decisions. And that leaves them feeling pretty unempowered. We talk about women's national, International Women's Day. So that kind of leaves really an unempowered feeling, but yet they're still scared to even ask for help to become more powerful. 
Right. Go into all the reasons why that happens. There's lots of, there's lots of reasons. So I think that asking for permission is one consistent trend that I see. So, I mean, then do you encourage women to give themselves permission to do what they need to and what they want to do? Yeah. I mean, yes, because it's, it, there is no, when it comes to what should we spend on and what should we not spend on? I mean, a hundred percent, we can make smarter decisions and informed decisions, but there is no right or wrong. Right. So yes, they do not need to ask for permission. I think also another thing that's interesting in that permission category is we could be really data driven and we can look at statistics like you shared some at the beginning of the of the podcast. You can look at the actual number in your bank account. You could say that's a piece of data. But when it comes to money, I don't think decisions should be all data driven. They should just be data informed. Absolutely. So that's a difference, but data driven versus data informed. And and when it comes to wondering whether or not they can afford something, the number, the bottom line number in their bank account does not tell the whole story at all. And there's so many other pieces of the puzzle. And but yet they often rely on that number and and kind of uh, seek permission from, solely from that number in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. We talk all the time about personal finance being exactly that. It's extremely personal. So what success looks like to you today, what stability looks like to you today is ever-changing. And you can probably look back at different times in your life when that success metric or that stability metric looked different. And so um, we also talk a lot about, you know, can you afford something? Maybe, maybe not. Do you want to afford it? Wanting is is a whole different level. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, yes. extremely personal. Um, and it's going to depend on each person. Um, so I love that, asking for permission. I think a lot of times women just don't think money is their thing. They're like their thing to worry about. Right. It's just not their like category, right? It's like in my house, um, sometimes I say that and lawn care is not my department. So, you know, they think of money as not their department, not something that they make decisions around. Um, But yet, you know, everything that's going on in their household or in their business is completely relying on what the money is, including the lawn care. (laughs) So I think how that happened, like societally, why a lot of women think it's not their department is an interesting, probably historical, mm-hmm. like we can go back in history and figure out why that is. Probably because they couldn't even open their own bank account. <laughs> right. I mean, that, right? That has something to do with it. Yeah. I we think, were told it wasn't our department, but it affects right. every aspect of our life. Exactly. And I, I, um, oftentimes like I'll, I have a, I had a client a couple of weeks ago and she was deciding actually whether or not to invest in coaching. And she said, yes, I'm all in. Okay. So I send her the contract. Um, don't, it's kind of like crickets, go back to her. Hey, are you in or are you out? Well, I'm really disappointed, but I'm out for now because I had a discussion with my husband and this is not how we think we should be spending our funds right now. So my, my, actually I said to her, I said, do you like that decision? Like, are you okay with it? Does it, how do you feel about it? She's like, no, I don't like it at all. And so I said, why is he involved in your decision on whether or not you spend money from your business? So this was actually even going to be a business expense for her. So it's that's totally her department, her business. Mm-hmm. He has Absolutely. nothing to do with it. It wasn't coming from like personal funds. So yet somehow, even though it's totally her department, she's still not feeling confident about her department. Right, right. Yeah. 
I think there are a lot of areas that um, women are affected disproportionately when it comes to finances. Um, we chatted about the gender wage gap, but I think another one that I see a lot is time that is taken outside of like working within the home or working to care give for children or aging parents. And so as we kind of look at that, um, about half, um, Bank of America says about half of women, 49%, will leave the workforce at some point primarily to caregive for children or for aging loved ones. And I'm sure that you see this a lot with the women that you work with. Um, how is that impacting women? So when they're taking on a role outside of the workforce, traditional workforce, we'll call it, and their workforce becomes more internal family oriented, they start to feel like well, since I'm not earning money, I shouldn't be spending money. And really what's happening is that they are, they're saving money in a sense because they don't need childcare, outside childcare or elder care, mm -hmm. whatever that happens to be. Both are very expensive. Yeah. Right. And so that would be a cost, right? If that were to happen. So yet they're not, they don't have that cost. However, they are not getting paid in the traditional sense. And so Somehow they have started to think that if they're not earning, they shouldn't be spending, regardless of kind of the agreement that they've come up with 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 their partner. So that in that really impacts um, their spending habits or their investing habits. And even if they are earning money, here's another interesting take on this. Even if they are earning money and they have children or loved ones that need um, care which might cost money, they think that a lot of the money that they earn should be going towards those particular costs, which of course, some of the money might have to go towards that because someone's got to pay for it. Mm -hmm. But they put that above and beyond any other need. And you know, this, and we're not here to like judge people's decisions, but there are other needs too that need to be met, right? right? So that just, you know, I can't, invest in this because we're signing someone up for soccer this week, or I can't invest in that because I need to um, put my mother in a nursing home and then we need to pay for that. So yes, those are costs, the real costs, and you may choose to spend money on them, but that, at what kind of, at what expense to all the other things that are going on in your life? Right. And um, disproportionately the emotional labor that women take on to think that yes. it's their responsibility solely to shoulder this, whether it's from their money that they're making or to shoulder responsibility of not spending money that is coming in because of these things. Um, a lot of it's falling on them. So we talked about some things that are disproportionately and uniquely affecting women when it comes to finances. How and, and what are some ways you help your clients shift perspective? Because it can be hard to unlearn some of these like stereotypes and roles that we're expected to fill as women. It can. So the number one way that I help women sh make this, I'll call it, um, I guess shift is the best word to use, is moving from being always in a survival mode type of thinking to a wealth building mode type of thinking. And realizing what that is are really just your based on your thoughts. So if you start to think kind of making decisions from a place of scarcity, like we're never going to have enough, we just need to survive to a place that I call abundance, which is more of a wealth building mode. Of course, we're going to have what we need. That's a change in thinking. Literally, that's all it is. And if you can shift your thought, then you're going to change how you feel because our thoughts really trigger how we feel. 
So you might feel desperate, but if you can shift your thought to be in a, into a feeling of not even, I'm not even going to say confident. I'm just going to say like neutral. Like this is just what's happening. These are the facts. They're not good or bad. They're just the way they are. That's helping you shift into more of a wealth building mode than that survival mode. There's, there's, we can use systems to help us shift as well. And I'm a big proponent of both systems and mindset. So I think really getting a handle on your cash flow and what's coming in and out and what's, you know, you need to pay on now versus later. You can use lots of systems and tools to help you with that aspect. I happen to love using something called you need a budget. It's great. There's lots out there. Mm -hmm. So that's the system. That's just one piece of it though, because think about how many times maybe some listeners have tried to use something like that or mint or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. some type of system. And then they say, yeah, but I just wasn't good with it or I wasn't consistent. Or it's never going to work. Every time I looked at it, I just became more and more depressed because it meant that I might not be able to like spend on, I'm making, well, they're making it mean that they can't spend on something mm-hmm. fun. So they, they just abandon the system actually uh, because of the way they're thinking about it. So step number one is really to start shifting the way you're thinking about things. And then step number two is to employ a system to support that thinking. And doing it the other way around usually doesn't work out. So because you start to fall off track because you haven't adopted that new thinking. Right. So we have to address the headspace that we're in, right? Because yeah. I wonder how much yeah. time and energy we're wasting, you know, being in that scarcity mindset, um, constantly worrying about things, constantly trying to fill the places that other people think we should be versus mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. what is actually going to be beneficial for us long-term, which is changing that mindset. Yep. So I love those, the mindset, then the systems. And systems, um, I found, ha- can be very trial and error. Yeah. Um, and it's okay to like get through that. But if, you've con- if you are consistent with the mindset shift and you've committed to that shift, I think that going through a few systems might not be as taxing no, as it would be if you tried it the other way around. Yep. And you have to also be willing to ask for help. Just like any other system in your life, you know, you need to, if you, if it's not kind of clicking or not working, then it is okay to ask for help. Like, yeah, say I, it louder. Like say, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not a plumber. So if there's a leak in my faucet, I'm not trying to fix it myself. I'm calling the plumber. Last time I checked, you know, whoever's listening, maybe you're not a financial planner or an expert in any of this particular software. It's okay to ask for help, just like you'd ask for help for any other service in your life. And why not ask for help in this category? Absolutely. I think because everyone deals with money and money impacts everyone, there's this inherent mindset that you should know how to deal with it. And I've not found that to be true in the you know, 10 plus years I've worked in finance. And it sounds like you've found that too, that just because you have it doesn't mean you know what to do with it. Or just because you don't have it doesn't mean you'll never have it. Um, There's a lot of things to kind of break down um, along those lines. Yes. So one of the things that I've heard you talk about that I would love for our listeners to benefit from is addressing the stigma around women having, making, and liking money. (laughs) Um, one of my favorite quotes comes from Sally Krawcheck. She is the CEO and founder of Elevest. And she always says, nothing bad happens when women have more money. No, nothing bad happens. Only good things. (laughs) Yes. So 
there is this stigma around women having, liking, and making money. It is not a topic that peop- that women are out discussing on a Thursday night over drinks, usually. Men might be out there talking about the stock market or things that are happening in their financial lives, but women really aren't talking about it for whatever reason that is. And I think it kind of comes down to women believe that they should be grateful for what they have. So whatever they have, they should be grateful for. And that should be enough. And there's that whole saying like, you are enough or this is enough. Totally true. Like we should be grateful for what we have and you are enough and you know, you've got enough. However, it's okay to want more. Like why not like want more. Like what is so wrong with wanting more? Exactly. I mean, there's duality in it. Gratitude can exist alongside wanting something different, achievement, striving towards your next goal. Like you can be gratitude or you can be gracious in what you currently have and grateful mm-hmm. for that. But that doesn't mean that <laughs> that you can't no. want to do more. No. So I I coached a while back, I coached a woman who actually had won the lottery. So you know how we always say like, when I win the lottery, I just need to win the lottery. Okay. So she had won the lottery and it was a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money. And we worked together for over 18 months before she told me that. It was craziness. And once she finally, and it was like sometimes some of the decisions she was making, I kind of questions, but I'm not there to make the decisions. Like I'm just a coach, right? She's making her own decisions. But when she finally told me, I could tell why she hadn't told me for so long is because she, she harbored such the guilt around having that money and, and liking the fact, in a sense, that she had the money. And I think we have three resources in life. Like our three most valuable resources are time, money, and brain power. Money is a resource and you get to choose what you want to do with it. So yes, you can go, she could go on you know, a cruise around the world. But what they were choosing to do with their money was actually to help other people. So the more money you have, you also have the more more power to help others, including yourself. But they were doing amazing things with their money. And I said, you should be realizing that the more money you have, the more people you can help. And I think that is something that you want to do. That is something that women want to do. You know, that was just a different way to think about things that she had never really thought about before. Yeah, I mean, solely being ashamed of the truth. Like, I have money. Yes. Yes. I know. It's in women don't talk about how much money they make and they don't really talk about how they've gotten a raise or or they're growing a business and the business is bringing in more revenue. That's kind of like not a topic to talk about. I find that in my own business that, um, you know, as I have steadily grown and I am making multiple six figures in my business and it's not something even I necessarily talk about tons, although I think I talk about it more than the average person. Um, and why is that? I think it's it's just it's it's all my thoughts around it is really what it comes back to. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it loops back to like how much brain power are we spending on shame and guilt and wondering if I am transparent in this, if I say this, if I state the truth, yep. um, what are these people going to think about me? What is their perception? Um, should I be doing this? Does this fill the role or what a lady would do? Uh-huh. Um, so kind of like within that same realm, um, you talk a little bit about guilt-free spending and 
Um, I think self-care is this very um, interesting niche I've been seeing more and more of, particularly online. So I wanted to kind of hop into that and look at the broad spectrum of self-care and all of the ways that you think women would benefit from holistic self-care versus just some of the things that we see out there. I see a lot about how going to get your hair done or your nails done or getting a massage is self-care. And absolutely, those things are self-care. But I um, tend to think that there is a broader spectrum of self-care and guilt-free spending that we can do that might actually benefit us and add tons of value back into our lives. So what are some of those things that you see that you advocate for? So going back to our three most valuable resources are time, money, and brain power. So yes, I think it's spending your on yourself for a massage or a manicure. Okay, I'm all in on that. You're spending money, but you also could just spend time um, to indulge. If you want to call it indulging, or I don't even like the word indulge because it's implying that there's guilt, right? I think it, it, to participate, we'll call it, in the act of self-care. So it's not indulging in it and it's not, you don't have to be guilty. It's just participating in the act of self-care. So you could just spend time taking a walk, right? It's not Or you could go get a massage. It's not a treat necessarily. It's just you preserving your brain power really is what it comes down to. So the more that you um, spend literally and figuratively on rejuvenating and arresting your brain power, the more actual brain power that you can create and actually make even the more brain power you have, probably the more money you can make. So it's not just this treating yourself thing. I think it's more of a necessity. Another act of self-care is spending on finding support. So it's huge. There's all kinds of support, right? There's tangible, I'll call it support, someone to help you do things, clean your house. There's emotional support, spending on things like therapy or um, coaching. There's also social support. So Going out with friends is a form of self-care and support. And I think that's very much needed and should happen. Absolutely. So finding and and spending on support systems is a form of self-care I also could make many arguments for. Absolutely. And one of the things I talk about a lot when it comes to self-care is I think finding that system and changing your mindset around money is a form of self-care. So finding a system to budget or some of my clients um, will have heard this before, uh, setting up a happiness allocation with your funds to cover your necessities, but then to make sure that you're prioritizing your spending and your money in a way that's going to add value back to you because we should be allowed to do the things that we want to do with our money. And so setting that, setting yourself up for success in that long term with some things that maybe aren't necessarily enjoyable in the process, right? but that add a ton of value and enjoyment on the back end, I think can be self-care. A hundred percent. And I hear so many of my clients will say this, I'm thinking of someone in particular, well, I don't really want to get control of my finances because then it's going to mean I'm not going to be able to afford anything fun anymore. And to her things, you know, she did a lot of traveling and she was afraid that she was going to have to, and I'm going to be careful with my language there. Those were her words. Have to cut it out. First of all, you don't have to do anything. You choose. But you know what she found is that once she did kind of, I'm going to call it, have a better sense and control over her finances, the fun stuff became funner. And I know that's not a word, but it became funner. (laughs) It is today. funner (laughs) Because she knew 
that she had the money to do it. Right. And and she like she made some adjustments on some trips and didn't spend as much as she could have on, say, an excursion. But she went, she did something different and had just as much fun. It was just a different excursion. So I always say, I don't think money creates fun. I think money creates opportunities. And you get to choose what you want to, what opportunities you want to take with your money. If it's a fun opportunity, that's your choice. If it's not, that's also your choice. So being able, being having a sense of what's going on in in your financial world is 100% a form of self-care. Otherwise, you're feeling miserable, guilty, doubtful. It's nothing good. Nothing Absolutely. Good. And I'll find that even if if I've not been paying attention to my finances as closely as I know that I need to for my own comfort level, it won't even be that like I'm grossly overspending or I'm over budget or I'm spending more than what I make. It's solely the fact that I'm not paying as close of attention that can lead me to have a lack of peace. Yeah. So having that control over my finances versus it controlling me has led me to a place of peace and freedom that I wouldn't have anticipated over something that generally I don't love to do. Budgeting is not the most fun thing in the world, but it does lead to those fun things. So that discipline, I have found a ton of benefit in. Um, And speaking of benefits, I would love to hear the success you've seen in your clients, what business and life coaching entails, and why you're so passionate about helping women in particular. So I've seen um, clients who have, I'll call it, just gotten control of their finances, both in their business and in their personal lives, really put themselves, I'll call it, on the fast track. It fast tracks your um, your making whatever you desire a reality. So I like to say there's a thing called the river of misery. And there's this little river, the river of misery, and there's there. a little wooden bridge. Okay. <laughs> I think we all have. So we're floating down the river of misery. We're not in an inner tube with a beverage. We're just barely floating down. We're trying to like grab the branches on the side of the river. One side of the river is the land of impossible. Okay. The other side of the river is the land of inevitable. And to get from one side of the river to the other, there's a little wooden bridge with some planks. Okay. So this is the visual I have in my head. And a lot of my clients start with me on the land. They're in the land of impossible. Like I'm not, their rational brains know that they could get to inevitable, but that's that quickly fades once their emotional brain kicks in. They need the planks. <laughs> they need the planks. So each of those planks really represents a different way of thinking or a new thought pattern. So, you know, For example, you could be on the land of impossible. And if you're over there thinking, huh, I do not know if I can afford to hire help. Okay. This is a common one. Whether it's help at home or help in your business. I don't know if I can afford that, they say to themselves. Okay. Thought number one, I can figure out if I can afford it. Thought number two, I can start to think about things in a way that is from a place of abundance versus scarcity. I can take actions to support my thinking. I can find out the facts. I can not only find out the facts, but now I can combine the facts with my abundant thinking. So as you kind of go over this bridge, each of these statements I'm making is kind of like a new step. Mm -hmm. And when you get to the crest of the bridge, 
the tippy top, it's the land of possible. So you've got to go from impossible to possible. And then once you settle into possible and you kind of get some momentum, you're going to get to the other side where there's the land of inevitable. And really what I help my clients do is go from this land of impossible to the land of inevitable. Like, of course, you're going to go on that vacation. Of course, you're going to be able to hire two new contractors to take some of the load off of you. Of course, you're going to be able to go out to dinner three times a month. Like, of course. Yeah. How could it not happen? How could it not happen? But you've really got to go change your thinking and get that system in place to, to do that. So, I mean, I've had clients double their revenue in their business solely from just getting not just their QuickBooks in order, but their cash flow in order and, and using something like you need a budget or another tool just to be able to do forecasting. Yeah. I've seen clients buy second homes because they finally figured out a way not to save because sometimes saving has like a scary thought to it. I like to say to allocate incoming funds towards the purchase of a second house, like just giving every dollar a job. You know, there's things become inevitable once you have some systems in place and the right mindset, whether it's personal or business. It's just a matter of committing, not just being interested. Here's another thing that happens with money. People are interested in getting their act together or they're interested in learning about more about how to manage their finances. But interested isn't enough. You've really got to commit, just like it was like you committing to going to the gym three times a week. You've got to commit to spending a few minutes a day on finances to make things happen. I love all of that. So um, you've painted a very beautiful picture of what you can help women achieve. Where can people find more about your services and working with you? You can head over to my website, which is my it's andrealibros.com. Libros is hard to spell. So a better way to get there is just to go to Andrea's with an S and links with an S.com. Um, and I would encourage you really to take one of the quizzes that are on the website. They're going to help you figure out kind of why you're not getting things done that you want to get done, like maybe getting finances in order or why your business isn't as profitable as you might want it to be. So I'd encourage you to take one of those quizzes via andreaslinks.com. And then I also would encourage you to go listen to the Time to Level Up podcast. Time to Level Up podcast, you can find it on all of your favorite podcast players. And also you can find me on social media. Excellent. And listeners, we'll make sure that we list those in the show notes today so that you can go directly from the show notes to Andrea's links um, and make sure you take a listen on her podcast. I learned so much. So thank you so, so much for being with us um, today, Andrea. I appreciate you. You're wonderful. I hope that you have some people reach out because I've learned a ton from you and I hope that you're able to reach some of our listeners too. And thank you for joining us on Better Money with Elements Financial as we talked about women and money. We hope you were able to take something away from this to help make your money better. Find more episodes at elements.org slash better money and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to rate and review. And if you're one of the 49% of women who report that finances impact their mental health, reach out to us at bettermoney at elements.org and let's work on it together. We'll see you next time. <laughs>